This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art. You're listening to The Voice of the Arts. I'm Jim Cunningham. Beth Dolinar is here. We spoke with Beth a few weeks ago just prior to your presentation of Alone, Isolation Hurts, your latest documentary. You're going to screen it for an audience in Greensburg at the University of Pittsburgh, Greensburg, on Wednesday, March 29th. It's at 7 o'clock, and there'll be an opportunity to ask questions afterward. But we should recap, what was Alone all about? This is the health unhappiness of being by yourself way too much. You're isolated. Yes, and thanks for having me again, Jim. It's always nice to be in here across the the microphone with you. Uh, February uh, 16th, we uh, had the broadcast premiere of Alone's half-hour documentary that I produced. I got the idea for it about a year and a half into the pandemic shutdown, and you were hearing so much about people in nursing homes who were cut off from their loved ones, and you were hearing about all of us who couldn't go out and be with our people. And I uh, I thought it, this was a good topic. And so uh, the Staunton Farms uh, Foundation uh, underwrote it. And uh, with their support, we were able to spend about a year talking to people who had various experiences with isolation. And what I found was that f- long before the pandemic shut down, and this will continue after when we are all back to our normal lives, whatever that is. Isolation is a big problem. Loneliness is for all age groups. And it is not only a crisis, a consequence is not only mental health, but also physical health. And it's found that people who have no social connections have more high blood pressure and obesity and sleep disorders and heart problems, and in addition to the obvious mental health. So that's what the documentary was about. Strokes, all sorts of strokes, things that you wouldn't yes, expect. That you really wouldn't serious think. stuff. And I think what it is, although I don't think uh, we were able to pin down exactly why there is a physical element to this, but we are, we have evolved as social beings, and it's part of our DNA, and it's part of what makes us live. And when that is cut off, it's like cutting off oxygen. It's something that's essential for everybody. And so, uh, we did talk to a young man, Joel Richard, who. Uh, in high school and in college, became isolated. Eventually, he stopped seeing his friends, and he didn't even speak to his mom and his sisters, and it led to uh, extremely uh, difficult mental illness, and then he had a suicide attempt. And in the documentary, what we found was he went to a therapist who said, you need to make a commitment to some social engagement once a week, somewhere that people are counting you on you to be there so that you get out of the house. So it's almost um, mandated social interaction. And he always liked Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop games. And so he joined a couple of groups where they play that. And they play, and there's a Dungeons and Dragons film coming out. So it's coming back. It's, it ha- it's you know, enjoying a rebirth of popularity. Uh, so he played Dungeons and Dragons and Monopoly and chess and checkers once a week, and it saved his life. Joel will be on the panel with us, so I'll look forward to seeing him again. He's a terrific young guy, and he now is an advocate for mental health, talks to other people about his experience, and uh, he has kind of come around and is helping others. Who else will you have on the panel? We will have uh, Joyce Pamerlo, who is with Pitt Greensburg, and she has taught classes in resiliency and mental wellness. And we will also have Heather McLean, who is with a group called Ray of Hope, 
uh, who does work with young people around mental illness. And then we're hoping to get a student or two because we'll be on the Pitt campus. And we do believe that the audience will have some students, and we hope so. Um, and I think that Mental Health America, through Laurie Barnett Levine, who is with Mental Health America of Southwestern Pennsylvania, uh, was so, has been so helpful to us in all ways because, as you know, WQED does a lot of programming around mental illness and mental health. It's one of our commitments, and uh, we have gotten so much help through Mental Health America. And uh, she, Laurie, was the one who, uh, you know, found us the venue and 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 helped us put all this together. Uh, and so um, we're hoping that we have a couple of students who will be able to talk about their isolation because, you know, teenagers struggle with this too. Teenagers, college students, young people, being away at college for the first time is hard. I think we've all experienced the homesickness and the loneliness and you're in this new context. You don't know anybody and you're trying to find your way. So I think it'll be, I enjoy these events. I'll moderate the panel. Who should come? Who do you envision coming? Well, I think that... Uh, you know, because it is located in Westmoreland County, we are hoping that it draws from there. But we open this to everybody. It will be—it's uh, free of charge. And the seats, the tickets, so to speak, will be available through Eventbrite. We're putting that together now, but you'll be able to find uh, the Eventbrite link so that you can reserve a seat on our website and on WQED social media in the next couple of days. So if you're interested in the topic, you should come. But maybe you've got someone in your family you're worried about. Sure. And um, the panel discussion will be, we'll, we'll screen the documentary first at 7 o'clock. Doors open at 6.30. We'll show the documentary at 7, 7 o'clock. And at 7.35, we'll do the panel discussion. And has, as has been the case in all of these events, we take, we'll stay for audience questions after. And, uh, you know, in the, the events that we have done in the past, um, you know, I think that the questions are, are very edifying and helpful for everybody. I think they get to the point of what it's like to seek therapy, what, why, sh why is therapy helpful, what help is out there. I think that's one of the questions is that, yes, okay, so I, I could probably use some support. Where, where do I even begin with that? And so those, those are some of the questions that we can answer. We've been reading that since the pandemic. Therapists are overwhelmed. There are too many people trying to see them. Is that uh, alleviating itself a little bit, or do you think it's still as intense? From what I've heard, it's more intense than ever. I think that telehealth is helpful. I think that has been, you know, a lot of uh, doctor's appointments, both for, you know, physical health and mental health, have been pushed off onto telehealth during the pandemic because you can't be in the office. But I think that will continue. Um, I think it's continues to be a way that uh, you can talk to somebody over a screen um, and that it can be as helpful as being there in person. But you are right that uh, the, uh, a therapist that we interview in the documentary, Sharma Dudley, said that she has been overwhelmed with, you know, people that maybe she had seen years ago and that they were, you know, feeling well and now they're back because of the pandemic. And so I think that just adds to the backup. Um, you know, how do you train enough people? That's another thing that we have talked about, is that getting students to understand that this is a career path they could take. Um, and I think all of that, it's going to, Jim, I think it's going to be years yes. before. I mean, the president is going to, in May, is going to say that the worst of the pandemic is over and we can lift some restrictions. But I think that's just the very beginning of how we all 
come to terms with what happened and we all get the help we need because of, you know, the mental health that declined during the pandemic. John Fetterman in uh, Braddock has been in the news recently seeking treatment. Yes. Uh, Quite surprising for a politician to make an announcement like that. Exactly. And I think I give him a lot of credit and I give the people around him a lot of credit for giving him the space to get better. Um, I don't know him personally, but, you know, around his going in for, um, you know, treatment of depression, we found that people who have strokes, that is not an uncommon uh, side effect of a stroke is is depression. And so, um, yeah, I I mean, it's unfortunate for the person who is struggling struggling with this, but around it are these ripples of positivity and hope that other people look at it and say, you know, there's no shame in reaching out for help. And that was another big piece of the documentary, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at the event later this month, and that is the stigma that is around loneliness is so stubborn, and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, You know, we had a hard time finding people who would go on camera and say I was terribly lonely because I think to say you're lonely is to suggest incorrectly, but is to suggest that you don't have friends or you're unlovable or you're not likable, you're not popular enough or you don't know how to make friends and those things are not true. I think loneliness is one of the emotions of human beings and we have all experienced it and there are ways to come out of that. If I want to see the program in advance, it's still available on the website. I can oh, look yes. at it as a streaming video. And on our, it's on YouTube. So uh, to get to it on YouTube, WQED alone, and you'll find it. I think it's up to like 1,200 views in the last few uh, weeks, or 1,100 views we checked yesterday. And that's so reassuring for, uh, as you know, to know that the work we do has some kind of longevity, some legs beyond... Uh, you know, one when it was first, and sure. When it was first, and and there's a way through YouTube uh, f- to know through the metrics if people are watching the whole thing. And in this case, they are. There's a way to see whether they, you know, check in for a few minutes and go on to something else or stay with it. And it looks like many of those 1,100 people were watching the whole thing. Have you had good. any viewer comments? Sure. Um, on Facebook, people were saying that. Uh, you know, that it was well done, and a lot of the credit goes to the team. You know, I'm just a tiny piece of what makes that happen, as you know. Um, Paul Ruggieri, who edited it, and Dave Forstate and Paul, who who uh, were behind the camera, and, you know, the people who were in the show who agreed to tell their stories. And, you know, Jim, every time you take a camera and sit down with somebody and start asking them these personal questions. I'm struck with how they don't have to do that. There is nothing that said they have to share what they had. And it's not easy, and it's uncomfortable, and it makes you nervous to be on that side of the camera. And I never lose sight of the fact that these stories are so personal and the fact that they are willing to be so vulnerable as to be on television is it's remarkable and um that it's their show as much as mine i think nobody Um, surprised you uh, with the comments that were made they were all uh, sorts of things that you expected or did did something strike you as oh i hadn't thought that would be the reaction uh, oh you mean the reaction to to the show to the show yeah i think it's all been pretty 
uh, pretty positive, I think. Right. I think I heard from some people who said the segment about the, the woman whose mother died in the nursing home and the daughter took her uh, laptop, her, what's that, what, MacBook, and did a, and recorded the last moments of her mother from on the other side of the glass. And first of all, it was so generous of Dorothy Bradshaw to share that with us, because that's a deeply personal moment when your mother is, you know, in, in her last days, right? Yeah. And she shared that with us. And so a lot of the comments were about how touching that was and how sad it was. And Dorothy has a comment that we use at the very end of the show where she says, you know, when I die, I want somebody to be there to hold my hand, which she was not able to do with her mother. And and people reflected on that and said, you know, yeah, it's true. Ideas in the pipeline. What's the next program going to be? Oh, my goodness. There's so much. Day Four State is working on a documentary, and I'm helping him with it. I don't know. It will be a half hour uh, what format it will take. Willie O'Ree. Do you know Willie O'Ree? He I do not. I heard the name African somewhere. African-American professional hockey player. And hockey is not a land of diversity, as no. you know. And uh, there's a Willie O'Ree Academy that, where they're trying to get African-American kids uh, and girls into professional hockey. And it's a terrific story. And Dave has been working, Dave Forstate has been working on it for a very long time. And I'm trying to help him a little bit. Willie O'Ree is still around. He lives in California. Um, he's up in the air. He's in his 80s. Uh, and but there is a lot of um, archival stuff about him and how he made it into the NFL, NHL and uh, you know his coattails now are bringing more young people in who maybe wouldn't have considered hockey as a sport before. So working on that, the Carnegie International, as you know, is underway, and we have already interviewed two of the artists, Yaya Huff, who has the mural in the Hill District. Um, and a an, ar um, an artist named Tishon Sue, who if you go to the Carnegie, there are those cloud cars out front. Have you seen them? Mm -hmm. There are these little cars that look like clouds. And he, we interviewed him, spent some time with him, and he does a lot of work around the idea of technology and what it does to our brains and how we as humans are have to navigate our way through technology. And as you know, AI is a big thing now, these um, chat things GPT. that are yeah, yeah that are writing and you know is that really writing um so and what else well future jobs you know i've been doing some things with future jobs initiative which is workforce development and so I'm not sure what i'll be doing with that but i'm sure i'll be involved in that so there's always something good I know. Coming around. And the deadline for the international is coming up. Before you know it, the international will be over. We'll will be we see over your program before that? Oh, no. This will be something After the that fact. if we... So it will it, live on. It'll live on, yes. And I'm, there are still a couple of artists that I would love to interview as they come through. A lot of them are international. They're coming from other places. So we'll see what happens with that. Topics in the column in the Washington Observer that I've missed the last couple of weeks. What have you been writing about? Well, the deeply profound and internationally important topic of junior mints. I love junior mints. And I wrote a topic about it, uh, a column about it about three weeks ago. And uh, I, w I would go to the dollar store once a week and get two boxes of junior mints. And then I would, like, ration them. I would allow myself a certain amount twice a day. And I went to the dollar store after that column, and there were not. They were... They were sold out everywhere. 
Hmm. And so, of course, I'm not vain enough to believe that my column no. caused a run on junior mints. However, they you can't good. find them anywhere. Um, and since then, I heard from a lot of, uh, not a lot, you know, half a dozen readers who were pointing me, they have junior mints here and there. And if you're inclined to go drive around and find them, you can still find them. Glad yeah. to hear so there isn't a run on yeah. junior mints. I don't know what, um, you know, I, I got a new car. And the biggest problem with the car, it was finding a way to do a bike rack because I'm a big cyclist. I, I ride my bike every single day. And how do you get a bike rack on this new car? And so I figured that out. And uh, so I write about that. I mean, I write about things. I think there are people who do a much better job than I ever could writing about topics of interest, general politics, current events. I'm, that's not my wheelhouse. I write about the little things in life, small things like junior mints. And how is the Washington Observer doing? Our newspapers are disappearing one by one. I was just reading about the McKeesport Daily News in the Pittsburgh Quarterly the other day. It's such a sad story. It is very, very sad. And I don't know how even to follow it as it goes down the tube anymore. But the Washington Observer is, they cover local news. They still cover the things that I think are being lost, and that is local government, local school boards, uh, not so much crime, although that's a piece of it that must be covered, but is do you have the reporters who are able to go four nights a week and cover, you know, school board meetings, and local government zoning is so important now, and I think that's what's getting lost when the newspapers are not thriving anymore. Um, and, you know, it, what happens in the dark are the things that will hurt all of us. And if you don't have the—a lot of times there are the beginner reporters who go and cover these meetings. And when I taught uh, writing at Robert Morris University as an adjunct a few years ago, you would have a few students in every class who wanted to be newspaper reporters. And I would have a very hard time honestly telling them, where's your career going to be with this? Um, might you get some skills for digital engagement, just in case kind of a thing. And I always respected those students who know they want to be a shoe leather reporter. Hmm. And there still are, but where do they work? And places like Public Source are wonderful because they, they do long-form investigative journalism still, but it's expensive to do that as it is for newspapers. So don't get me started. Well, it's an interesting topic to me <laughs> because is, I've always sure. liked the ink stains on my hand from exactly. looking at the printed paper. Exactly. But at least the Washington Observer and most papers today do have a strong online presence, so they're working both sides, and that's great. And my parents still get the Washington Observer, and my dear dad clips out my column every week and puts them in binders. And I, I've been doing this for 25 years. And for a while, I was doing it twice a week. There are thousands and thousands of these columns, and they're in you know one binder after another that are stacked there. And someday, I will give them to my children, um, and maybe they can read a little bit about what I was all about because I'm terrible about taking photos. So instead of photos of them growing up, they will have because I used to talk about them. Then at some point, they said, "Don't talk about us anymore," and I honored that. Uh, now I can talk about them again, but they have their own lives, so yeah. <laughs>
No, I know. Another reason why you're so special, Beth Dollar, oh. because you've got a mom and dad that love you so much. That's yes. wonderful. Your event is Wednesday, March 29th, the screening at 7 p.m., the question and answer afterward, afterward. 8 o'clock, Mary Lou Campana Chapel. This is the lecture center there at the University of Pittsburgh-Greensburg, right. and the address is 217 North Campus Road, Greensburg, PA, 15601. Do we have these details on our website? They will be in the next day or two in the Eventbrite, which is the app through which which we will reserve you a seat. So there will be, um, you know, it's free of charge. So look out for, you'll see it'll, it'll show, uh, it'll say alone. It'll be the title graphic of a chair sitting in a room, which is the title graphic for the documentary. And then all the details are on there and you can sign up. And I really hope to meet a lot of people there. And I hope people will come out because I think it will be, uh, it will be helpful and interesting and, um, you know, and we stick around after to answer other questions or whatever. So we're we're always happy and appreciative that the public will come around and be in a room with us to watch these things. Do not be alone. Isolation it's, hurts. It's Beth it Dolinar on Wednesday, March 29. I know it's going to be a terrific get-together. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming Thank by, you. Beth. Thank you. As always, Jim, always nice to see you. This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art.